my notes tell me at the 10th lesson, praise God, the 10th teaching that we've, uh, we're coming to in our subject that the Lord has had us on for a number of weeks uh, on the family. You know, a series of ministry and focus that we're talking about building the family. And the world and our culture doesn't seem to care much about family. They give lip service to it, but then they embrace everything in the world out there that would bring destruction to the family. And uh, praise God, but we, we don't have to be casualties to the culture. Amen? And we don't have to figure out marriage and family and raising kids in this day or any day on our own. Amen? The Word of God, God has put in His Word instruction for deeply spiritual things and profoundly practical things. Amen? It's just a wondrous, miraculous book. Amen? And if you're seeking help uh, on how to, what, it, what does a good husband look like? What does a good child look like? What does a good uh, wife look like? You need look no further than the Word. You need look no further than the Word of God. Amen? Here in Matthew chapter 7, we have sort of our hallmark verse for this, our golden text. Something that Jesus said in the latter portion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto him as unto a wise man, which built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You know, some people come into the Christian life with rose-colored glasses thinking that if I just love God enough and have a strong enough faith that it'll make me immune to the storms of life. No. No, the storms of life, Jesus is just telling us here, right? The storms of life come to all of us, don't they? We're going to have rain. As long as we're down in this world where Satan is God, 2 Corinthians. Now, he's not the God of me, but he's the God of this world. You can read that real plain, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan is the God of this world, little g. Now you escape his dominion by making Jesus your Lord. And then what does that make you? It makes you in the world, but not of the world. But even because we live here, we get to encounter the storms of life. The one that hears the sayings of Jesus, Jesus is called the Word. So you could say, he that hears the word and does the word, what is he saying? You're wise, and that wisdom's going to show up because when the storm comes and it passes, your family, your life, what you built on the rock will, will stand. It won't fall. But then he goes on and gives us the reality of the other side of this coin. Verse 26, and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, uh, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. Amen? It fell and great was the fall of it. Hallelujah. And uh, so, again, I, I love the word. This passage tells us that victory, amen, is a simple choice. And no matter your starting place, no matter how dysfunctional your family history has been, right now today, right now today, you could, in the mind of God, be likened unto a wise man. Amen? You can build the whole of your life, your spiritual life, your financial life, your married and family life, amen, on a solid rock. But it's going to take a conscious, daily choice on your part to reject what you've known in the past if it doesn't line up with the Word. Amen? Amen. Brother Carl, I'm a little, little cool now. If you could maybe take that up one for me. Praise God. Amen? But people want to make victory and uh, uh, harder than it is. And people want to explain away their defeats as if they've had nothing to do with it. They want to say things like, well, the family, well, 
well, I understand not everybody got a head start. Not everybody got a real helpful lurch forward in life. Amen. But if you get exposed to the truth, then you can shift the outcome and remake your destiny, and it's all up to you. It's all up to me. Amen. And so I believe I'm in a room full of people. Amen. Who love the word, have honor for the word, regard the word. They may not know everything they need to know about the word, but they have enough respect for it. Amen. Come on. Is that you? Say, Pastor, tell me the word. Help me to know the word. Because I've already decided I'm going, if it's the word, I'm going to do it. If I have to change everything about me, I'm going to do it so I can line my life up with the word. I was telling my wife the other day, it's just amazing to me how different I think today than I once thought. It's like that person that had my name in my body is a totally different dude. And that's exactly right. That's exactly true. Romans 12 says that we can thoroughly be transformed. Our life can be completely transformed. Amen. By the renewing of our mind. And I'm not where I want to be, but I have spent 20, 25 years of my life now working on my mind. And I just, I just don't think like I used to think. Amen. And you need to be encouraged. You can get there. You can get there. So let's go this morning. We're going to have some fun this morning. Praise God. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, wow, I, Sunday was just, I, I don't even know how to put words on what Pastor Nancy articulated Sunday for us. And uh, praise God just had to be here. But there was help, divine help. It's, it's funny how that came about because we were having fellowship with the Ramoses and Pastor, my wife and I at Max's Brick of beautiful setting, sitting out on the courtyard, listening to birds chirp, eating steak, wonderful. And just talking, just talking. And I had invited her previously to preach on Sunday. And she goes, no, 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 I'd rather rest and hear you. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, uh, but as we were just uh, visiting and talking, I saw, I don't know if you saw it, honey, I saw the Holy Ghost come on her. And I said, uh, you know, Pastor, you are going to be here Sunday. She goes, yeah, you know, in the hotel room, I, I was thinking, I am going to be here Sunday. And I said, you can have it. And she goes, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the Holy Ghost came on her, and it was just a, a God-ordained yes. moment. And I, I pray that you heard your help and, and regard it. She was kind of doing a part two of uh, who should I marry, talking to us about that and giving her testimony. It was just powerful. And, uh, but now we're going to move on and, uh, and talk to married couples. And uh, praise God, uh, you know, because the building of the family, the family begins with marriage. Amen. And as we talked about Wednesday night, if you miss Wednesday, a lot of you weren't here, you need to go back and get that. Because one of the things that I endeavored to establish from the word is that Christian marriage is not about rank. Christian marriage is about roles. Amen. Amen. You know, God reached into Adam's dormant body. He's the ultimate anesthesiologist, and a heavy sleep came on Adam, and God reached in and took a rib out of the man. And, uh, you know, the rib is a protective bone. It's a protective bone. It's there to protect vital organs. Amen. Notice the rib was taken out of his side, and that's what God used to form Eve's body. God didn't reach under and scrape the callus off the man's heel. And make her body. My wife stands at my side. She is my helpmate. You have to go back and listen. I taught you that's a powerful word. She is my perfectly suited, capable, and adapted counterpart. And she's a protective supply in my life. Amen. And so God has a, a specific design and order. And if you want your marriage and ultimately your family to carry God's highest and full blessing, 
then you need to go ahead and, and get rid of any wrong thinking, however you got it, however I got it, amen, that doesn't matter. It's just sit there today and evaluate, be open and say, uh, is the way I'm conducting myself in my marriage, or if you're single thinking about the day you'll be in marriage, am I thinking right about my role in the relationship? And then I want you, before we get into the meat of it, to think about this as we go through the message. How faithful am I being today in the things that we're going to talk about this morning? Amen? That'll be necessary if you're going to get your help. You could sit there and internally be shut off, closed off, I'm good, and miss your help. Amen? So in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, Submitting yourselves plural, one to another in the fear of God. Then in the same breath he says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now a lot of machoistic uh, men and husbands like to scratch out verse 21 and act like verse 22 is the only verse there. Now, now there's no getting away from it and there ought to be no apologies. I am the leader in my family. I am the leader in my home. Amen. But I think of that, I think the right way, the Bible way, and that is what that means is extra responsibility. You know, I'm the leader. I'm the president on all the paperwork. My name's on all the loans. You stop giving, they're going to come from my house. Right? And I don't apologize for being the leader around here. It's my name, not your name, my name that's on all the... Hello. Yeah, and uh, you say, well, you know, there sure seems to be some perks that go along with being the, the head guy around here and the pastor. I said, thank God. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> but there's, there, with that comes a whole lot of responsibility. Are there some perks maybe, husbands, if for being the husband? Sure, but with it comes a whole lot of responsibility. And you have a head. Every husband has a head and will stand by himself one day and give account for how he treated the others in his household. So I wouldn't get too puffed up uh, about being the head and the leader. I know a lot of Christian husbands, they shrink back from that responsibility and they shouldn't. There's no need to do that. Amen. Let's read this instruction, though. We're, we're not apologizing for any of the words here. Paul wouldn't. Amen. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Does it say women submit to men? No. <laughs> no. Men and women are equal. <laughs> it says wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Now, notice this. Now, let you know, we're going to have a little fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address the wives. Because I'm a husband and a man. And I'm going to endeavor to be used of God to help ladies, wives, understand the needs that your husband has. And then my wife's going to get up in an upcoming service and talk to the husbands as a lady, as a wife, to help us get a clue. So that we could be more skillful. Amen. Amen. And uh, so anyway, praise God, we're going to have some fun. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now notice the instruction, the example the word gives to wives in submission is how we submit to the Lord. Amen. For the husband is the head or the leader of the wife. Men are not the leader of women. The husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ. Wives, here is your type. Here is your example. How am I to relate to my husband? As the church relates to Christ. As the church relates to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, husbands get instruction. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So husbands, how are you to interact? What's your model? What are you supposed to look at? 
You're, the, you're supposed to look at how Jesus treats the church. Jesus has never come into my prayer time and gone, my supper is not on my throne table. <laughs> you imagine Jesus doing that? No, I can't either. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So you can see the dominant attribute that the Holy Ghost is pointing out that husbands are to be for their wives is sacrificial. He gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it unto himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy uh, and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it even as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his flesh and of his bones. Or excuse me, we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause, for this reason, quoting Genesis, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined or cleaved or glued or bonded unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Not one spirit, one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, switching back to the wives. Notice this. And the wife see, or I like to say see to it, that she reverence her husband. Amen. Amen. So let's get to this because time goes by. Uh, marriage is very much, folks, about meeting needs. Marriage is about meeting needs. If we lose sight of the primary purpose and mission of marriage, then that's when things begin to break down. Marriage is about meeting needs. Marriage is not about getting your need met. Marriage is about meeting needs. Oh, pastor, how do you know that? Well, because God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And so he created the help me, which means, an, that word in the Hebrew means an answering unto the heart cry of. So God, who looked at Adam, who was perfect in creation, he had not fallen, he had not sinned, saw that there was a supply missing in Adam's life. Now some people say, well, all I need is God. Well, that's true if you're going to be single. Amen. Right? But, you know, God meets all my core, 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 core needs. Every human has really core needs. Every human being has a need for identity. She does not give me my identity. I am not the source of her identity. Every, every human being has a deep, deep, deep need for purpose. She is not my purpose. She is not where I get my purpose. I am not where she gets her purpose. I get my identity from God. I get my purpose from God. Every human being has a deep, deep need for security. I don't look to her for security. I'm secure because of my relationship with Him. Now, having said that, if there weren't bona fide, legitimate needs that the spouse had and the other spouse could fulfill, God would not have said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. If all Adam needed was God, Eve wouldn't have never been. Hello? So there are legitimate needs, amen, not the chorus of needs, but legitimate needs that a spouse is to fulfill, and it's by divine creation. Marriage is about meeting needs. Let me say it to you this way. To me, in my understanding, marriage rests atop the support of three pillars. 
Number one is met needs. Number two is financial partnership. Number three is sexual fulfillment. But it's all wrapped up in meeting needs. You want to, you know, every, every one of us that fell in love, we fell in love, all, we all fell in love for the same reason. We found someone that met needs we had. And they did it so wonderfully, we wanted to hook them into a lifelong contract and covenant <laughs> under the assumption they're going to do that forever. Amen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's how you... Right? What generates those feelings of love? The thrill, the fulfillment, the feelings that come when someone is meeting a need you have. What is marriage about? Marriage is about meeting needs. If your marriage is breaking down, one or both of you, I guarantee, has stopped or neglected, got distracted, or just got selfish and refused... And if you have lost that loving feeling, but you'd like to have it back, all you have to do is go back to meeting your spouse's needs like you used to, and they will fall in love with you all over again. I told them in the back room they seemed to really get a, a kick out of it, the ministers, that on our first date, uh, Amber and I's first date, that I had given plasma twice that same week to have enough money to buy myself a new shirt. Amen. And have enough money to take her to buy her a movie ticket and a, a dinner. I was, in one sense, I was disturbed that when she ordered at the restaurant, she just ordered water and a side salad. I thought she hates me. She wants out of here as soon as that. That's all she wants. <laughs> and then at the other time, I thought, well, praise God, at least she didn't order the filet mignon. <laughs> I was thinking about how much more plasma I was going to have to give. <laughs> but see, you know, when you're interested in someone. I, obviously, I was interested. I laid on a table. I said, take out of me whatever you got to take out of me so I can get that $20. Because I've been looking at this girl all semester and she finally agreed to go out with me. I got one chance. I need to get this right. Amen? You could just see, and I know you've got your own funny story. We did things. We did things. Because we were interested. And what drew that person further to us, amen, was the needs we met. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you one more time, then we'll move on. What is marriage about? Needs. Marriage is about meeting needs. So, ladies, let me help you. Now, I understand that we're speaking in generalities. I know that we're all individuals. We're all individuals. And maybe, you know, your, your guy is the weird one, right? Maybe you've got the weird one. And, uh, but if that's true, if nothing else, leave here if you're not sure and find out. Find out from your husband. Husband, is, is, is what Pastor said, is that you? And let him speak to it. And he may say, well, you know, for me, number four is really number one. And, or really, really number one is not even on his list. But you need to find out. Yeah. Marriage is about meeting needs. And we're, there'll be a time where the husbands will be addressed. But we're talking to the ladies primarily today. So, but as a whole, knowing men, the way God constructed men, I want to just give you the four primary top needs of men and husbands. Number one is honor and respect. Honor and respect. We'll go through these in detail. Honor and respect. Honor is man's mega need. Amen. That's his mega need. Glory to God. Number two is sexual fulfillment. Oh boy, yeah. Amen. Now, we'll keep it We'll keep it very dignified, but you understand I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. So number one is honor and respect. Number two is sexual fulfillment. Number three is uh, friendship or recreational companionship, or however you want to say it. Your husband wants to have fun with you. Your husband wants you, he needs you to be fun. 
All right. Don't stop being fun. Amen. Because kids arrive. Don't stop being fun because you got a ring on his finger. All right. I don't get too far ahead of myself. And then number four, top, the fourth top need, not only, but top need, we'll deal with four if we have time today, is help at home. Help at home. Hallelujah. Or I called it this way, making his house a home. Making his house a home. So let's begin to deal with these needs, all right? The mega need, we're dealing with need number one. Amen. Ladies, just understand this. Your man has a deep, core, God-created need for respect and honor in his life. Amen. Your husband will rise or fall to the level you honor him. Your honor, your respect for him is the fuel in his tank that drives him to ever greater achievements. If your husband, your husband can have everyone around him have no confidence in him. But if he knows his wife believes in him, he will achieve. He will achieve far more than he would ever achieve without the supply of respect and honor being brought to him. Now, people talk, when we get into relationships, it's typically all about love. Love, 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 love. And it's all about, you know, that, that, and the ladies love that. But if you remember in this passage in Ephesians, the most comprehensive New Testament passage we have on the subject of marriage when wives are being addressed about their husbands, love is not even mentioned. Love is not mentioned. Now, it's not that we don't want to be loved. It's that love is communicated to the heart of a man differently than you. Right? Love is commun... We talk different languages. That book that came out whenever it came out is really true. Men are from Mars. And women are from Venus. They are not the same. We are not the same. Amen. And that's why as a man, I'm trying to talk to you ladies to help you. You're not a man. And everything we say to you goes through your lady filter. But I'm not you. We are not you. Right? And you may do all kinds of things that in your precious mind thinks is going to win him over with love and admiration. But if it's the highest form, the way love is communicated to the heart of a husband is honor and respect. It is praise and, your, and it's your admiration communicated to and for him. Wives, I want you to study this week Ephesians 5.33 in the Amplified and meditate upon it, okay? Ephesians 5.33 in the Amplified. Now, I understand uh, that the Amplified translation of the Bible is the closest to the original Greek that we have in English. Listen to this verse in the Amplified. The Amplified Bible says, And let the wife see that she respects, reverences her husband, now, the Amplified is going to give you added clarity from the Greek about what that means. That she notices him. I mean, if I can come home and I've been gone 10, 12 hours, and I can be in the home 10 minutes and my wife not act like I... That hurts me. You know, I am home. Woo, I'm home. <laughs> Amen. I came home to mama. Did anybody notice? What about noticing the good things that the man does? Anyway, we'll talk more. Praise God. <laughs> Guys, you could really step up your amen in. I'm, I'm here trying to represent you this morning. Yeah, help me. She notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, 
esteems him, that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. Marriage is not about rank. It's about role. What is your role? That. That's your role. That's your role. There's nothing in here that says if you think he deserves it. Nothing in there that says if you think he's worthy. If you judge him worthy. No, 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 no. The Bible defines your role. Your role is to reverence. The Bible says see to it that she reverence her husband. What does that mean? She sees to it that she notices him. She honors him. Honor, what's that word mean? The word honor means weighty. To treat as weighty. To treat as something that is rare and valuable and precious. Ladies, you only have one. Amen. You know, the culture, the sitcoms, the movies is so demeaning. You want to talk about the culture being the feminine part of the population being offended about how media portrays them. I'm offended. I'm offended for all mankind. For all males. We are not the stupid, ignorant, incapable, blubbering idiots that the sitcoms want to make husbands and dads to be. I work, I labor, I pray, I study, I try, I sacrifice, I give. I do my best to be an attentive father and a doting husband. And I'm not the only one. There are multiplied millions of us out there that would give everything, our blood, our sweat, our tears for the well-being of our families. And to be portrayed like we are today as if we don't matter. All the, you know, the culture wants to, I'm on my soapbox. The culture wants to portray this idea that the only thing remaining in a healthy society from the man is his sperm. Just give us that and we can take care of the rest. We can, two ladies can hook up and have kids. And... No, I tell you what, you can see our prisons are full. Our kids are addicted. Murder rates and crime are on the rise. And it's the absence of dads. It's the absence of a strong male presence in the home that has been the number one destructive source, I don't care what community, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever you want it to be. When you want to make men and husbands and fathers irrelevant, you're going to fail because you need us. Hallelujah. I know a lot of guys, they work jobs they hate. Physical jobs. Now we thank God for a church that, you know, knows about healing. But a lot of guys work in jobs and, you know, the, the wife's back, her back's fine. Her back is young. His back is broken. Come on. And there is a respect. There is an honor. And it's due. And your husband, he may not say it, but he craves it. He longs for it. He longs for someone, the someone, if anyone ought to acknowledge, it ought to be the one that he married. There is no such thing as inward honor. You, it's a need your husband has. You need to validate him. You need to praise him. You need to thank him. Yeah. Amen. Listen, the standard is, how, ladies, how do you interact with Jesus? Do you just talk in any old way to Jesus? Right? What's your approach in prayer to Jesus? 
This is the picture the Bible paints. Now, your husband's not Jesus. But your heart attitude in how you handle your husband ought to be with the same care that you would handle Jesus. Create the atmosphere of respect. Do not belittle your husband. Do not criticize your husband to your mother, to your sistren. You talk your issues over with your husband to your husband and to the Lord or to your pastor if it rises to that level. And in this age of social media, I've wanted to reach through my phone and grab a lady by the ears and say, what in the world are you thinking? Putting this out there for everyone to see. Social media has become a venting place. It's a cesspool. This word venerate, anybody know what that means? I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I had to look it up. The word venerate. And uh, I have it in here somewhere in my notes. Give me a chance to, uh, uh, to find it. But it means, I know it means, uh, one definition I like means to put your husband on a pedestal. Put your husband on a pedestal. Uh, it, it said things like to value. I must have done it and wrote it down but didn't add it to my thing. It meant to value your husband. Praise your husband. It means to admire your husband. And however, ladies, you can express that, amen, you are fulfilling. You know, I, I fell in love with Amber because I was made to feel good when I was in her presence. Men are magnets for honor. And they will gravitate to whoever builds them up. And if you don't, and some girl at the office does, your marriage is in real trouble. Because he's going to have a lot to resist in keeping that gal at bay. Because there is such a magnetic, God-created need in this man of yours to be honored to be respected amen okay praise God well here are just a couple of practical things and there are many how can I give more uh, honor to my husband let your husband lead I, you know it's nobody in the church but I you know I have I got to be very vague because these messages get out but uh, I know, I, I'm in a position to observe a couple, and I feel for this man because he can't pick his own parking place. He can't pick his own route. It's as if the man has never successfully left the house, gone to town, and come back again. <laughs> She has got to run her mouth about every little thing. Everywhere he goes. The turn, why'd you take that turn so tight? Can't you tell, why do you, you were a little heavy on the brake there, weren't you? Oh, there's a parking spot right there, sweetie. Let's park. Why'd you park over there? I'd just go park over there and make you walk. <laughs> I feel, I feel. It's belittling. It is communicating, you can't do this task by yourself. You have to have me help you, honey. Wives in the other room, you know, instructing him about emptying the dishwasher. Just gone, jaunt, 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 jaunt. Just run the mouth. You need to let him lead. Well, he doesn't do it right. My gosh, is there is technique really that important when it comes to taking the trash out? I mean, do we have to have an opinion about everything? Hey, and don't make the mistake that you think I'm giving you insight into my marriage. I'm not. 
she lets me park the car. Right? I don't want people thinking that I'm up here taking the opportunity to vent about, no, no, the Holy Ghost is on me, so just take it. <laughs> and come on, let them, you know, in Paducah, there's probably 25 different ways you can get to my house from here. Do you? You know, there's other ways faster. I did it just to irritate you. You know, people get tired of it. Really, I want to believe that my wife thinks that I could run through a troop and overtake. I can, I can take the city. That I can cut David. I can cut Goliath's head off. And if you don't even think I can park the car. You're telling me what little you really think about me. Now, maybe you don't think you're doing that, but I'm helping you this morning. Your husband needs to feel respected. Here's another uh, practical hint. Honor your husband on the level you want him to be, not the level he is. You think he's worth little honor? I'm going to give him little honor. No, honor him you saw, at one time, you saw something awesome in him. Honor him for what you believe he could do and could be. And watch him rise to the level you honor him. Praise God. Amen. Thirdly, say what you need to say. Confront what you need to confront. But say it in a way. My wife can say anything she wants to say. But I tell you what, how and the conditions and the company in which it's said matters much to me. And I thank God my wife is very skillful with that. I'm the one that's really learning about setting and all of that. Amen. Another thing just quickly is exalt his strengths. And don't talk about his weaknesses. Love covers a multitude of sins. Your husband should not have a greater fan than you. Your husband should not have a greater cheerleader than you. No one should talk him up more than you. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He would love to get us all making mental lists about all the things we don't like about our spouse. Don't fall for that. Write a list if you need to. Look for the value in your man. Look for it. There's something there to value. There's something there to respect and focus on that. And don't lie to the man, right? But ignore the stuff you don't like and talk about the stuff that's good. And fuel that change. Amen? Wives, pass up on some opportunities to give your opinion. Pass up on some opportunities to criticize him. Pass up on some opportunities to point out a flaw or a mistake. And don't be afraid of your husband making a mistake. Well, I got to get in there because he's going to blow it for sure. That's, it's not your job to keep him from blowing it. You can say anything that you're concerned about. Confront anything. Say anything. But you're not the enforcer. Say anything you want to say, but then you better pray and trust God to enforce wisdom and enforce direction. Because you're trying to step into a place that in the marriage you're not anointed for. God will be able to do more to rescue your family if your husband makes an honest mistake if you're honorable, then he'll be able to do if the mistake was made while you threatened him the whole time. All right, praise God. Need number two. You say, Pastor, how long are we going to be here? Not much longer. Praise God. Need number two is sexual fulfillment. Sexual fulfillment. And so just to talk about some principles here. It's funny, one of the things that is such a a mystery in marriage, it's trouble in marriage, is that husbands and wives don't really appreciate how different 
he is from her and her from him. And we, we fight, we, we don't accept the differences. We just don't accept it. And it's very, male or female, husband or wife, it's just very difficult in the natural to identify with a need you don't have. But the fact that you may not have a need on the same level your spouse does doesn't mean that it's not a real need for him. Now, studies show that 80% of husbands are more sexually passionate and desirous than their wives are. 20% of wives are more sexually desirous and passionate than their husbands. So, praise God if that's you guys. But anyway, uh, 80% of ladies are just not as sexually passionate. Uh, I heard one survey that uh, ladies were asked, you know, about what's important to them in the marriage. And sex came number 13. Number 13. And number 12 was, according to the survey, gardening together. Now, ladies, that, that's just not going to work. Now, listen, if we've done this correctly, we enter into our marriage with no sexual experience. Amen. And a lot of Christian girls, I think, are like, they got a rude awakening six months in. They thought they married Mr. Holy, and they think they've married a pervert. They think, they think, all you want, you know you've heard that, you're right. Yeah, all you want. Or again? And with, because of a lack of knowledge and regard, wives end up trying to shame their husbands. Listen, when your husband tells you I need to have sex. He's not lustful. He's not a perv. There's nothing wrong with him. He's telling you the truth, girl. He's telling you the truth. Now, now you can let that run through your lady filter and say, now listen, I know you're just really lustful, but I know what you really need is just a hug. Come over here. No, no, it's not a hug I need. It's a hug you might need, but I need sexual fulfillment. This is why couples ought to talk about this before they get married. You know, because if you're th- you enter into the marriage and you're thinking, man, once a month, that's going to be great. And he's thinking, once every 36 hours, that's going to be great then you may love each other a lot, but you've got a problem. You've got a problem. One of the main things I want to get over to you in this segment is don't invalidate, don't dismiss, don't make fun of, don't think wrong of his need for sex. Now, why is this so? Well, because God put a chemical in your husband's body that you have but not near like we have and it's called testosterone and it's floating around in your man's bloodstream and the younger he is the more of it he's got also in study and research I found that there was an interesting kind of for fun study done women who wanted to kind of understand where their husbands were coming from and so the doctor put a testosterone patch on their arm and gave them the testosterone of a 19-year-old male, and they wore it for two weeks. And they all came back screaming, take it off, take it off, take it off. (laughs) But they had their eyes open. This is what's lurking around you? Oh, I get it. Okay. You know, we we process the word need kind of differently, don't we? Right? You know, like I need a cup of coffee. Well, that's really kind of optional, right? I mean, you really are addicted and you like caffeine, but you... 
Sex ain't like that for God. That's how serious it is. A husband needs sexual fulfillment like he needs air. Now, you may just sit there, ladies, and go, I don't get that. Fine, you don't have to. Just accept it. And if you want to have a great marriage, meet your husband's need. Marriage is about meeting your husband's need. Well, we only have sex when we both feel like it. Oh, so you've had sex like eight times in 20 years. I mean... Right. What's wrong with your brain? Some Christians, they just really do need to read a good book. I, I, there's some I would recommend to you, like uh, His Needs, Her Needs. Such a good book. Get on YouTube and search out Jimmy Evans' Marriage Today. You know... There's a lot more than makeup videos on YouTube. <laughs> Listen to this, because I'm going to have to end this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, so we're in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. From God's Word translation, it says, Husbands and wives should satisfy each other's sexual needs. Now, I'm going to stop and say, uh, guys, that does not mean that you can expect her to violate her conscience. And to do things unclean and impure. You don't need to come to my office. You can if you want, but you don't need to come to my office and ask me what's okay. The way I say it is your conscience. You should never do anything in your bedroom that violates your conscience or her conscience. Amen? Now, there's, uh, this is not an anatomy class, and I'm not going there, but wives, I mean, that does not give you an excuse to be closed off. Amen. 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 Husbands and wives should satisfy each other's sexual needs. A wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but his wife does. Don't withhold yourselves from each other. Well, I'm mad at him. Y'all work it out. Get over it. But wives, it is unscriptural, unloving, and wrong to use your body and his need for sex as a weapon to punish him or to manipulate him to get what you want. You have violated the love and your marriage covenant to do that. The Bible says, do not withhold yourselves from each other unless you both agree to do so for only a set time to devote yourselves to one activity, prayer and fasting, right? You know, some people I've heard, I don't know who these people are, but I've read, I've read I really don't, but I read Brother Hagin's book, and he said that he encountered people pastoring that thought themselves too holy for sex, too holy. I'm too spiritual. I'm too prophetic to have sex with my husband. No, you, you're off the word. There's no such thing as being too spiritual to meet your spouse's physical need. Like I said, I don't know any of those people, but I guess they're out there. God's Word says you should get back together so that Satan doesn't use your lack of self-control to tempt you. Anytime any spouse commits adultery, that's on them. They failed to do that. But there are mitigating factors many times. And if wives neglect, refuse, or minimize, dismiss her husband's repeated cries for help, <laughs> and he slips and falls, you're culpable. You're culpable. You made him more vulnerable to falling to that sin. I love the message translation of this. The message translation says... Sexual drives are strong, but the marriage is strong enough to contain them. 
and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world full of sexual disorder. I wasn't surprised, but you might be surprised to know that research shows that couples who have the most frequent and fulfilling, exhilarating sex lives are Christian couples, evangelistic, you know, Christian couples, not singles, not lesbians, not homosexuals, not those that live with each other. Now, why would we be surprised? You do it God's way, you're going to get God's best. Amen. The marriage bed must be a place of, of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. You do not have a right, wives, to be tired every day of the week. You do not have a right to have a headache every day of the week. Well, I don't like the way my body looks. Get yourself a trainer. Renew your mind. Take care of yourself. But whatever you're doing to excuse yourself, that you don't have that right. I got married to have God-ordained blessed sex. That's one of the reasons why I got married. Unless there's disability, unless there's a physical, something's happened, right? I, I don't believe in sexless marriage. Sexual intimacy is the thing that makes marriage different from every other relationship. Okay, hallelujah. <laughs> marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out of bed. Abstaining from sex is permissible only for a period of time if you both agree to it. And if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us, lest we least expect it. Don't you love the Bible? The Bible, in this passage, is not talking about gifts of the Spirit, is it? Amen. Amen. So, uh, ladies, praise God. Um, get in touch with yourself. Learn some things. Amen. A great sex life is one that is open and honest in expectations and right in communication. So many wives, they long for their husbands to be open with them. They sense that their husbands are not emotionally connected to them. Listen, if you want your husband to be more emotionally bonded and open and communicative and connected to you, have sex with him. It is his way of connecting with you emotionally. Wives or husbands, if you want your wives to be more physically passionate with you, connect with her emotionally. The way she connects in the physical relationship is through the emotional connection, the relationship, the intimacy, the communication. Why did God set it up that way? He made us to serve each other. He made us to serve each other. I've got three minutes to talk about those other needs. Now listen, um, let me remind you, one-third of American divorces occur over money. One th another third of marriages occur over a lack of fulfillment in the bedroom. A violation. Half of, half of couples, even Christians, will suffer the sin of infidelity during the course of their marriage at current rates. So wives, you make a grave mistake when you don't accept what your husband is telling you. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Amen? Praise God. All right. Uh, praise God. All right, number three is companionship. This is huge. I only have time to just mention it. But your husband wants you deeply to be his buddy to be his friend. And I, I was thinking back, you know, uh, when I first started really dating Amber, my, my friends, my guy, my roommates immediately began to complain. They immediately began to complain. Why? They said, you act like you don't want to be around us anymore. And I'm like, that's true. That's just true. I'm having so much fun. Being with her, I don't want to be around anybody else. Amen. 
And a lot of times what wives do, they do things in that courtship phase they don't even like doing. They go to football games. They go to sporting events. Right, they go fishing. Right. They play tennis. They, they, they enter into their husband's world and he's like, wow, oh my gosh, wow. I, I found someone who will go outside with me. And you did things, and you acted like you liked it. And then you get married, and you want to turn him into an opera goer. Or a poetry reader. Where you say, you know what, you drop that bomb on him. I'm really not all that interested in that. You're not? No, I'm really not. But you could go do that with your guy friends. And what happens is you begin to sow the seeds of growing apart. And especially if there's a lady in the mix without what he's doing recreationally, you're you're in trouble. Ladies, you're, you're in trouble. So it is hugely important. Men have a core need. They want their wives to enter. You know, the very little bit of recreation time that guys get is huge to them. It's huge. And we'll spend money on it. We'll buy a boat. We'll get the best rod. I mean, we'll get the best gun. We're going to get the best tree stand. I only got a little bit of recreation time. And when you, don't, when you show that you're halfway interested in what refuels me and makes me, you know, gives me energy and makes life worth it to me, and you want to be a part of that, man, it, it meets a big need. You want him to do that with you. You want him to shop. And shop, and shop, and shop, and shop. My wife's so funny. She'll go, you're bored, aren't you? Real quick, she'll go, about 45 minutes in, she knows my attention, you know. You're bored, aren't you? Yeah, I'm bored, yeah. Amen. We just have to work on it, right? But uh, ladies, be his friend. Be his friend. Right? I want Amber to be my friend, not my mama. A lot of wives, that's the role they stepped into. I have three children and this other child. I don't want you to mother me. I don't need a mother. I want you to be my friend. Yeah, I want you to be my friend. And you guys maybe need to sit down because people change over time and, and let's say, let's pick three things that we both really enjoy doing that we can do together and then let go of the other stuff and spend your time doing the things that you both enjoy together. Your marriage will get better. Amen. And then lastly, in closing, your husband really does, don't get offended, ladies, He needs your help at home. He needs you to take the lead with the kids. I'm very involved with our kids, but I'm so glad she's willing to take the lead with the kids. Now, I don't, I don't, you you would be hard pressed to be more domesticated guys than I am. I wash dishes, I take out trash, I dust. I'm, well, that's out. That's guy stuff. She would say that's guy stuff. I mow. Yeah, I mow. I do all the outside stuff. But when I come in, I'll swiffer. I, I do my. Now I can be a clutter bug, but if you'll just let it be there a minute, I'll get it picked up. <laughs> Amen. But I, I help at home. I don't cook. I just I did put my foot down in cooking. <laughs> I said I'll buy. We'll go to the restaurant but I'm not cooking. And uh, glory to God. But wives, you have an anointing on you, a grace on you to take a structure and make it a home. I can hang stuff on walls. I, I can go buy furniture. And I like my taste, but I just cannot do what, what you ladies can do 
And ladies, if you study, you're the manager of the household. You make a home a home. And it's just a huge need in my life. And, it's, and I'm very fulfilled in my marriage that my wife has done that. She does that for our family. Amen. 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 And so just be sure to be that supply. Even if you work outside the home. Yeah. Amen. Right? You work outside the home. You still have that anointing on you that he doesn't to make your home a home. And guys, you'd be wise to let her do that. Leave the coffee table where she put it, all right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get some help today? Marriage is about meeting needs. If you will spend your married life focused on, my job is to meet her needs. Know what they are and be active about. And she does the same thing. You have heaven on earth. The way you have hell in your home is to get one or the other turned selfish, distracted, neglectful. And then things begin to break down at that point. Amen? Amen. Praise God. If you're a wife, stand up.